Well, hello everyone and welcome to the third installment of For What It's Worth, which is rapidly becoming my favorite aspect of this entire site. I know for some of you, you might like that and others are cringing. Don't worry, it's not the only thing I'm gonna do, but I'm absolutely loving it. Really, no, seriously. It's totally uncalled for, unnecessary, but if you must. So this is the third installment, but it's the first installment I'm recording on my iPad. Now, if you flash back to a couple of years ago when I started my Dispatch audio series, I tried to do that on my iPhone and it was a disaster. Everyone wanted the iPhone to work really well for that and it's possible, but oh my God, it was a pain in the ass. So many things that could go wrong and frankly, the sound quality sucked. But where I'm, where I'm at today is I'm facing the same problem I've had for the past couple of years, which is I wear many hats, I live many lives. Each life, each hat requires a specific equipment bag. And I'm always trying to get smaller and lighter because I have my blurb life, my photo life. Um, I've got a collaboration life, which I'm going to tell you about in a minute. I've got camera gear, audio equipment, clothes, blurb stuff, books, etc. And I never have enough uh, space to carry everything. The iPad is now with me pretty much all the time. I use it for a variety of different things. And the iPad is a step up from the iPhone in terms of real estate and also just the robust sort of feeling of the device. So this is gonna probably sound a little different. And frankly, it's probably not gonna sound as good as the Zoom recorders and the mics I have. But I'm gonna take a photograph of the audio bag that I have to carry when I use my Zoom. And I'm gonna show you the audio bag that, that carries the entire iPad kit for audio. And the bag that I'm using is probably four times the size of what I need. So it could be much, much, much smaller. So anyway, that's where we're at. I've got a variety of points I wanna go over today. The first one is about blurb, but not directly about blurb. If you're a photographer who looks at blurb and can't find a way to use it, I don't really have anything to tell you about blurb then. And I'm saying that after being around the company for 10 years and realizing that photographers typically fall into two categories, people who try, test, and experiment with everything. These are the people that are making all the great work. And the second school is people who find a reason not to use any of this stuff and they never make anything original and they're unhappy. And, and that's generalizing, of course, but that's basically the two schools. I try to spend 100% of my time with the first group, the people that look at something new and say, I'm gonna test it, try it, whatever. So if you haven't used Blurb, blurb.com is your best place to start. You can always reach out to me and I can steer you. Uh, I've also got a ton of audio tips on my site in regards to Blurb and a ton of publications that I've made. But the reason I'm talking about Blurb now is only because I just wanted to give you, in a nutshell, my new project. Birds of Prey, three-part story. It's both writing and photography, and uh, it's gonna be an eight by 10 portrait, soft cover, photo book, pro-line paper, with a modification that you will have to utilize to view the final book. So I am a long way away, but I'm continuing to put it out there because this is gonna tie in to something I'm gonna talk about here in, in the next few minutes. This project is so much fun. Uh, I have not done any of the writing yet, which I'm going to start after I do this review, this uh, podcast. So stay tuned for that baby, and it's going to be totally different. Okay, moving on. Point number one was new audio rig for this for this podcast. Number two was my next Birds of Prey, my next Blur project. Number three is I wanted to just basically start talking about a collaboration that's been going on now for about three or four months, but it started about a year ago. We're still a ways away from launching this thing, but it's a major collaboration, which is a collaboration between Blurb and Beyond Clothing out of Seattle. And if you don't know about Beyond, just search Beyond Clothing and check, take a look at their site. Uh, even though this is sponsored by Blurb and Beyond, they are way, way in the background, way in the background. So this isn't really about Blurb, it's not really about Beyond. I'm not trying to sell you books and they're not trying to sell you clothing. This came about because the director at Beyond was introduced to me through a mutual friend and my photography. He called me and said, hey, do you wanna have coffee? I said, sure. 
We sit down, he looks at me and he says, you, me, co-editors, biannual zine. We gotta do this. And I was like, what are you talking about? Now, normally I'm the one pitching ideas to people. That's my best skill. My best skill is pitching ideas, getting the ball rolling, and then collaborating with people who are way more talented than me and then using their work. But I'm the one like pushing and keep, keep getting the, uh, keeping the ball rolling. And so it's weird to have someone come to me and say, hey, this is what we should do. So I didn't do anything for a couple of weeks just to see what would happen. And he came right back and said, you, me, co-editors, biannual zine. I was like, all right, this guy's totally serious. He's crazier than I am. This should be interesting. The idea behind this is pretty simple. He and I look around the world and the rest of the teams, you know, team it beyond everybody, we look around at the world and there are stories and people and subjects that we think are interesting, important, misunderstood, whatever. We want to promote an understanding of those things through dialogue, copy, art, etc. And the zine is going to do that. That's what our primary goal is. And we are not giving you the answers. We're not giving you solutions. We're not choosing a side. We are presenting data information from both sides, from every angle and saying, look at this. We think this is interesting. This person, this story, this topic, whatever, maybe you'll find it interesting too. And the zine is, is small. It's very unassuming. It's a six by nine, 60 page soft cover trade book with a matte cover, nothing fancy, right? Now the zine will also be able, using the zine in your phone, you'll be able to link out to the microsite which is where the stories will be flushed out. You'll be able to buy the zine if you want to, or actually you'll get the zine for free, et cetera. There's a million details I don't want to share right now, but we've secured, we've got websites, trademarking. We've got a, an unbelievable designer secured to do these issues. And I'm telling you, when I reached out to this person, I was like, this would be my wildest dream to be able to get this person to do the design. And she agreed. So, uh, when you're submitting, whoever's submitting, and we're gonna, again, this is gonna get way more complicated at a later date. But I just wanted to let you know, if you don't know about Beyond, check it out. Um, I started wearing their clothing after I met uh, the designer, not the designer, the director. And uh, I can say it's pretty remarkable. I just went for a walk in Santa Fe, it's in the 20s. Normally I'm like, oh God, 20s, I'm, I'm, Mr. Skinny here is gonna freeze. Uh, and I had to unzip both layers because I was so warm and I wasn't like hiking or, or moving at any uh, rapid rate of speed. I was so toasty in these things. So whatever they're doing, they're doing it well. All right, moving on to the next point. While I was walking around downtown Santa Fe, I went to the Monroe Gallery, which is a vintage gallery. That's one of my favorite galleries that I go to every year. And they had a show, uh, a show up, but in the back were a couple of prints, random prints. And there were three images from a photographer I'd never heard of named Ryan Vizions, V-I-Z-Z-I-O-N-S. Ryan, V-I-Z-Z-I-O-N-S. And there were three images from Standing Rock. And I, they absolutely stopped me in my tracks. I just stood there looking at this and I could not believe that that is going down in our country right now. I just could not believe it, that that, is what it came down to, to put oil pipelines through this area. Now, I know this is a very complex story. This goes back for hundreds of years, et cetera. I'm not trying to minimalize it. All I'm saying is take a look at this guy's work. It's pretty, pretty phenomenal. And on a secondary note, another photographer you should know about is a guy named Philip Blenkinsop, B-L-E-N-K-I-N-S-O-P. Philip is an old friend, although I have not talked to him in a long time. One of the most interesting characters you're ever going to meet in photography and also really talented. And one of the things about Philip that is immediately sta stands out is that his work is immediately recognizable. There really isn't anyone out there doing work that's quite like this. And that to me is the sign of, of the highest order. That's the high art. 
there's a million people making Instagram content that might have 10 zillion followers and you'd never be able to identify their work in a police lineup. Phillips, Philip, you would identify within seconds. So if you don't know these guys, Ryan Vizians and Philip Blankensop, take a minute to look them up. Moving on to the next point, at the upper right-hand corner of my website, shifter.media, there is a little thing that says subscribe, and it talks about subscribing to something called the Shifter Wire. And the, the, name, the reason I use the word wire is that was sort of a tribute to the wire services, which is where I started my career years and years and years ago. I, it's, at one point in time, I worked for AP, AFP, and Reuters. And if you don't know who, what those things are, they were basically you know, traditional wire services. Wire services are still around. They're still, they still play an important role, but not nearly what they were all those years ago. And so I'm actually going to kickstart this newsletter. And I'm doing this for a variety of reasons. One is I need to put my money where my mouth is because I'm always telling people that social is a, is a complete sham and that one of the most important things you can have as a creative is a good email newsletter database. People who opt in on a newsletter are typically opting in at a much higher level than those who are opting in on social by saying, I'm following you or I'm gonna like something that you did. Newsletters are a gold mine. Now, the reason I've never done a newsletter is I'm not trying to sell you anything. And most of the time when people are doing newsletters, there, there is a hint of like, in some cases it's not a hint, it's a bludgeon of people trying to sell you something. But what I'm curious about is if you have any, any, things, any ideas about this yourself. Because what, the way that I look at it is I would like to put things in the newsletter that you are only going to get in the newsletter. You won't get it on the site, you won't get it on social, you won't get it anywhere else. And they could be like, for example, the Birds of Prey book, if there's only 25 copies, I might put that in the newsletter and only announce it in the newsletter and say, hey, there's 25. When they're gone, they're gone. That's the kind of thing. That's the strategy that I have behind the newsletter. So that is coming. I've got to put my money where my mouth is. Uh, okay, moving on to the next point, which is, again, a short point, is I love the American West. I just came from Collected Works Bookstore in downtown Santa Fe, which is great. They have a great Southwest literature section, and I just like drool because I want to buy every single thing in there. It is kind of cool, though, to look at an entire rack of books and realize you've already read like two-thirds of them. That is kind of a, an empowering feeling. But there's two writers I want to bring your attention to that write about the West that I think you'll find interesting, and they come from different angles. The first one is a guy named Courtney White who lives here in Santa Fe, and I've interviewed him on the site, so you can go back and listen to him. I found him through a book called uh, Age of Consequences and then a second book called Grass, Soil, and Hope. And the, one of the things that come, came out of Grass, Soil, and Hope was this idea of carbon sequestering carbon in the soil by allowing native grass to come back, pulling out fences, allowing natural corridors for animals to come back. It's a lot of things that we didn't really think had an impact for a long time, and now we're realizing these are absolutely critical things to farming. Low-till farming, no-till farming, etc. So if you're interested in this kind of stuff and you want to know about the West, Courtney's a pretty interesting dude. He's also one of the only people I've met who has been able to successfully bridge the world between ranching and farming and conservation. Those two groups are typically at, at each other's throats. There are organizations that will not even go in the same room with each other because of the animosity and hatred that's built up over decades of people thinking they're being ripped off by the other group. This is one of the few people who's transcended both of these groups. And frankly, we need a lot more of these people out there because there is no way, other way to get around this. Uh, but anyway, check out Courtney White. The second author that you should know about is a woman named Terry Tempest Williams, who's based out of Utah, I believe. She is a beautiful, beautiful writer. 
I've read, I don't know how many of her books, nowhere near her whole catalog, but I've read a lot. And every time I read one of her books, I just find myself like closing my eyes and thinking, why am I not a writer? Why am I not spending more time in the West? Why have I not become more involved? Why have I have not done more research? She's a beautiful, beautiful writer. These two people, I think, are going to add things to your life you might not have ever, you might not have had. And that's the only reason I'm suggesting them. Okay, the last point I want to make, which is the more in, most in-depth, is connecting two different people who I think you should know who come from two very, very different worlds. But the thing that's, that's binding this conversation in the middle is Instagram. And I know, I know I've spoken a lot about this, but I, I, these two people made me think about it a little more. So there's a film that came out recently called Free Solo. And Free Solo is about a climber from Sacramento named Alex Honnold. And Honnold is a quirky dude. And I've been following this guy for years because I love climbing. I suck at it, but I love climbing. And he's a free solo, free soloist, which means he climbs without a rope. Many of you have probably heard about this movie. It's one of the only climbing films that I can think of that really hit the mainstream. In essence, in essence he climbs a 3,500-foot face in Yosemite with no ropes. Now, the film was done by husband-wife pair, Jimmy Chin, who's a Canon-sponsored photographer. You might know him as an explorer of light. He's been around for a long time. I knew Jimmy first as a climber and as a skier. He skied off the top of Mount Everest. Not many people can claim that. Uh, and then he became a photographer and a filmmaker. He's really good, and he, there's a handful of people in the world who have that kind of skill set, right? So he's making work that nobody else is making for the most part. His wife is Elizabeth Chai, and I'm going to mess up this last name, Vassarheli. Vassarheli? It's close, remotely in the region. Now, this isn't their first film. Free Solo was not their first film. They also did a film called Meru, which you can see on Amazon Prime or Netflix. Awesome. About climbing the shark's fin in Pakistan. Now, I am no mountaineer. I hate cold weather. I have no interest in going over there to climb a peak like that, but I'm astounded when people do. And Meru, I've seen probably 10 times. And everybody that I know that's seen it loves it, including people who are less likely to go over there than me. There's just something about the film. It's really well done. And it's not some crazy production value film. It was done very simply, but it doesn't matter. It's a good story with good characters, etc. Free Solo, I saw in the theater. And I, I've never in my life seen a film in the theater where the entire audience was shrieking and screaming and squirming. I wanted to tackle the guy next to me who was like 80 and I was like, dude, I'm two seconds away from pinning your ass in your seat because they're showing Alex free soloing, you know, 2,000, 3,000 feet off the deck with no rope. And it's, it's kind of disconcerting to say the least. Although when you see the film and you learn about who this guy is, it doesn't seem quite so crazy. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is that Honnold's on Instagram. And after the film, I'm sure he's had a myriad of opportunities for marketing and promotion. And one of the things that he was sort of pseudo-marketing and promoting was this electric pickup truck that was coming out from a brand I'd never heard of. It's not from the big three. It's a small brand. And so he was saying, you know, hey, this is a pretty interesting thing. It would, it would be interesting to have an electric pickup, which, you know, I'm driving a Toyota Tacoma. If they had an electric version of it, I would, you bet your ass I would have been looking at that. And he was like, hey, I know uh, it'd be nice to have one of these things. But, but, you know, there's a couple of things. One, a lot of the times you're plugging in an electric car and that power's coming from a coal-fired power plant. So don't think you're being totally green kind of thing. And then he said, kind of hinted at this idea that maybe Instagram is not the, the best place to have this conversation. Now, I have three points to make about this. Number one, he's and I'm not knocking him for promoting this thing by any stretch. But number one, it's a $60,000 pickup minimum, which means it's completely out of reach of the everyday person. So in some ways, it's completely useless. It's like a Tesla. The only people I see driving Teslas are the biggest a-holes in Newport Beach you've ever seen. 
And by the way, the, the Subaru driver has been, and the Prius driver has been surpassed in terms of a-hole, the, the biggest a-hole on the road. And I've driven a Prius for 10 years, so I'm throwing myself under the bus too. So typically the worst drivers were Subaru and Prius. Uh, Tesla's taken over the top spot by a long shot. So this pickup truck is 60,000 bucks, which means out of reach of the everyday person. And two, it doesn't take any cars off the road. If we all switched over to electric, we'd still have the same traffic jams that we're in. And third point, which is what Honold made, is a lot of times you're getting your power from a coal-fired power plant, which is not a great scenario. What I've found, because I've been asking people for two years, people who are driving electric cars, most of them, I would say the, per, the majority of people I've asked don't know that their power comes from coal. They just don't, there's a disconnect there. And the last part for me is no, Instagram is not the place to have this conversation. The, the parent company of Instagram just got caught lying to Congress for what, the third time? We know now without a shadow of a doubt what Facebook and Instagram are about. The idea of connecting the world, of making it a better place, that is 100% total BS. If you see the transcripts from Zuckerberg when he started this thing, and the transcripts that they have in the UK that a US judge sealed that were released in the UK, this is not a person I wanna give money to, I wanna give time to, and I wanna give data to. And Instagram is owned by Facebook, and this is not the place. So the reason I brought up the newsletter earlier is that Honold has a website and I would much, much, much prefer to engage with him on a newsletter basis than on Instagram. I don't even like to see him on Instagram because the guy is super interesting and is worth a deeper dive and having a deeper conversation. What that requires on his part is more of a, of a, of a commitment. It's more time consuming. Instagram is like a, is a sneeze, you know, and, uh, and blogging and having a site and writing a newsletter is like having a full on cold or the flu, like you're, you're committed. So, and this leads me to my final point on this podcast, which is another person you should know about. I've met this guy once, but it was literally a 10 second meeting in the blurb office. And the reason I'm bringing him up is that I just got his latest email newsletter. His name's Craig Maud, M-O-D. And he's an American who lives in Japan. And he's a really interesting dude. So he's a designer, a photographer, a bookmaker. Uh, he's incredibly smart. He's also a hiker. He does these long, long range hikes. Uh, which are pretty interesting, but he has an interesting philosophy about technology, the world, publishing, Japan, super interesting dude. The reason I'm bringing him up is, like I said, I got his newsletter, which is completely infrequent. It's not like I'm getting one of these all the time, which is also what's appealing about it because when I get an email from Craig Maud, I stop what I'm doing and I read through the entire thing. I go out to all the links and I check out what he's talking about because I trust him. I trust him as a curator to bring me something that I'm gonna be really interested in that I might not know about. And what more could you possibly ask is for someone like that to cut through the noise for you and deliver this stuff. Now, he, the last newsletter, which is called Roden, R-O-D-E-N 22, Roden announced that he has a new email newsletter that's coming out, which is called Ridgeline. I've not yet signed up for that. But one of the things he mentioned, and I think this is partly why he's coming up with this Ridgeline newsletter, is that he wants to phase Instagram out. And his point was, hey, fool me once, that's on me. You know, that's on you. Fool me two, three, four times, that's on me. We know what Facebook is now. We know what Instagram is. And maybe it's time to move on. Now, in a selfish and perverse manner, I get intense pleasure from this. Because as you all know, I, I figured this out six years ago on my birthday, sitting in the exact spot that I'm sitting right now, January 1st, 
six years ago in Santa Fe. I woke up, I looked at Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and I said, these are not what we think they are. There is something evil happening behind the scenes and I do not want to be a part of this. Not to mention, I saw what they did, these networks did to my friends and colleagues. They turned people inside out. They turned people into phony ghosts of themselves who were there basically trying to build following and it was embarrassing. I would have conversations with photographers, literally, this literally the kind of conversation I would have. My phone would ring, photographer, I hate my life, I can't stand photography, I can't make a living, this is horrible, help me get out of this. And I'd be like, okay, whatever I can do to help you, I'll help you. Five minutes later, I'd see them on Instagram posting about rainbows and unicorns and my blessed life and how wonderful photography is. And I'd be like, call the person back and I'd be like, why are you acting like things are fine when they're not? Why would you not go online and actually put out how you actually feel? Oh, I can't do that. I can't quote, I cannot let people know how I actually feel. Now, if that isn't the root evil of what social networks are, I don't know what is. So it's not that somebody can't bastardize an email newsletter, but it takes more effort to put the newsletter into the world. And that to me is the separating fact. That means that you're putting something out and you're going to a very select group of people. The only people who are going to see it are the ones who've opted in, who've literally given you their email address. And sure, you can use those email addresses for every evil purpose known to man, but my fingers are crossed that people like this aren't going to do that. You know, they're actually, ha they, have, they have a discussion they want to have. That to me is interesting. That is important. That's why my newsletter is going to arrive. So I'm sorry for all of you who signed up five years ago and I've never done a newsletter and you're probably going to try to be unsubscribing as fast as humanly possible when this thing comes out. I know I'm going to get hate mail, but it's totally worth doing. That in a nutshell is for what it's worth, episode three. Now, here's the real, the real catch, is am I gonna be able to save this on my iPad in some recognizable format, export it out to something else, and then upload it to SoundCloud, and then, and then embed it in my blog? That, I'm guessing, will probably make me pull my hair out, make me second guess my entire strategy, and maybe kill this podcast before it gets started. But, I'm gonna light a candle, I'm gonna drink some yerba mate, and I'm gonna hope for the best. So, if there are topics you wanna to talk about in the future, hit me up in the comments. I'll link out to some of these people that I mentioned before, Beyond, Ryan Bizens, Philip Blankensop, Courtney White, Terry Tempest Williams, Alex Honnold, and Craig Maud. I think these are all interesting people that are well worth your time and effort. Thanks again for tuning in. I will be back at some time in the near future, hopefully with another episode of your favorite podcast.